Let out the beast. Let him out. Big thank you to our title sponsor, Nature's Key. If you haven't tried out their CBD products, do it today. I start every morning with Oklahoma Sunrise gummies, and they are a total game changer. Use code MAZE2022 for 20% off your order at keytonaturesblessings.com. Also, thank you to our supporting sponsors, Jackson's at Kingfisher, for getting us around in that trail, boss. I've honestly never received so many compliments on a vehicle. Go see Casey and Jackson's out in Kingfisher for the best car buying experience. Thank you to Totally Tickets. If you need tickets to anything from concert to sporting events, Totally Tickets will get you taken care of. And uh, last but not least, we want to thank Local Leaf RX, our sponsor for all things spring game related. Local Leaf RX is the best kept secret in Oklahoma. They're absolutely taking care of their patients with incredible daily deals, free food every Friday, and raffles you don't want to miss. Swing by and enter for your chance to win. Canapalooza tickets and a festival pack for two. I'll be out at Canapalooza and would love to see you there too. Local Leaf RX in Tecumseh, small town store with big city canvas. We're, we're having a good time with the Sam Mace podcast. Yes, it sounds like it. Sounds All right. Like, uh, things are going well. They are. They are. And on this episode of the Sam Mace podcast, we've got former Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, no, not former. Current Thank Heisman you. Trophy winner. Former Sooner. There you go. Uh, or current Sooner. Yeah. It's a lifetime Once thing. Once a sooner, always. Sooner. The, uh, the, the great Jason White. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good. I'm uh, excited to be back on. I've always enjoyed your podcast. I, uh, I feel like this is the longest that you've been around me without making a fat joke. I haven't said a word because you know what? I respect that you're in the gym. I see it. I Thank see you. the sweat. Either it's sweat or you're pouring water. One of the two. <laughs> it's definitely sweat mixed with whatever Crisco is coming out of my pores from a, <laughs> I feel like for the last five years of just being sitting on my butt. But that was one of the things I absolutely hated about college was after a weekend, you know, you, you're done working out on Friday. You get Saturday, Sunday, you go out, eat and do whatever. And then Monday rolls around and. The things that came out of your sweat is absolutely terrible. Yes, and terrifying. Like the, the smell uh, in the offensive line room on a Monday morning after oh. a game weekend. You'll never really forget that. No. It's a mix between B.O. and booze just coming out of your pores. And, yeah, yeah. man, that, uh, that football life in college back in the day was mm. – it was, it was a lot. <laughs> I'm happy to survive. Exactly. I, I, Coach Smith used to uh, always – you know, he, he, we do the, uh, the crotch, you know, the – Butterfly, I guess, oh yeah, a stretch, and he would come over there and push down, and he'd. <laughs> he's like, huh, did you yeah, have, did you have you some whiskey this weekend? <laughs> I mean, he knew exactly what you had. Oh <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the workouts sometimes were tailored to uh, those big celebratory weekends too. Oh. It's like on Sunday, that Sunday, what do they call that? The workout after the game. I'm like, this is some bullshit. I don't want to work out after this game. No. I feel like those were always a little pointed when we all came in a little, a little hammered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to set the tone a little bit. I hated that stuff. Well, it's, uh, it is spring ball, and I think that uh, you and I probably shared the same experiences. Consider, you know, as young men, it was a, a chance to, to eat, right? A chance mm-hmm. to, to get a seat at the table. As old men, it was more pain, more time, more problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for, for a quarterback, I'm sure your experience was a little different because you were leading at the time, and I was too as an offensive lineman, but 
Man, you know, the older I got, the less interested I was in the banging heads with my teammates in the spring. Absolutely. You know, I was uh, I was lucky. I only actually went through two spring practices. Or oh, wow. Spring, like entire spring. Right. Uh, just because I was always hurt, uh, especially in my older years. Uh, I, of course, I went to practice and stuff, but um, I always tell the story of, after my second knee surgery, um, I actually went to Coach Long a week into spring practice because I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I was literally having trouble walking the very next day after practice. Like, it would take me at least an hour or two to get really going, and so, and the pain was just horrendous. Uh, but I felt like I had to prove myself, right? Because I, second surgery, you've got all these high-end quarterbacks competing so I felt like I had to be there I had to be competing and so um, I went to coach long and that weekend of that um, I guess it was before the 03 season oh yeah I went into coach long and uh, I uh, knocked on the door and he said hey Jay Bird he called me Jay Bird so and I said hey coach can you got a second and he he looked at me and he goes no and I said what? what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? And he said, uh, no, the answer's no. He's like, I already know what you're going to tell me. I said, how do you know that? And he's like, I can see it all over your face. I said, well, Coach, I, I can't do this anymore. And I, I said, the, 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 the next day, the, the pain during practice, the sleeping at night, it's just, it's, it's terrible. And uh, he said, Jason, he goes, when's our first game? And I said, I don't know, like September 7th or something. He's like, what's the date? And I said, I don't know, March something. And uh, he goes, so what are you worried about? And right. I said, uh, well, I need to practice. I need to compete. And he goes, no, you don't. He's like, you just you get stronger, get your knees healed up. You can compete in the fall. And he said, just take the rest of the spring off. So uh, that's what I did. And uh, I took the rest of the spring off. I focused on rehabbing, you know, the knee and getting it stronger and, Come fall, he. I remember he told me he's like, "Hey, now's your time. Now's your time to compete." That's so, what's up. Uh, I always respected that from him, and you know, it took a lot of pressure off the having to be there and competing. Now you can still lead, you can still be there and be a, a leader for the team, but you just had to do it in a different, you know, different way. I uh, you appreciate the also seeing it on your face. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt. Uh, when I listen to Barry Switzer talk about former players, it's like an emotional thing even for me because you just can hear the love mm-hmm. and the compassion and the, like, those are his boys. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You know, I, I was always jealous of, of players who had coaches like that, that had that kind of relationship with their kids. I never felt like I had one of those, you know, that I just loved, you know, on that level. So that's very cool. That's a great story. I, you're lucky that you had a lower body injury and not an upper body injury because the one spring I missed, I had a broken wrist because my offensive line coach duct taped my left arm or my right arm down to my side and put me in a live drill to teach me how to use my left hand. And so the first live snap I took like that, I broke this wrist. So I had to miss the, uh, the spring because of the wrist and it wasn't a major injury. You know, the bone was itty bitty tiny and I had this stupid cast on and, I'm thinking, well, you know what? I'm pretty established. This is not like I'm going to lose my position anytime. So I was, I was like, all right, cool. And I get to just hang out during the spring. Oh, no. You ran. I ran the campus. 
like long distance runs the entire spring. Ugh. Worst case scenario for an offensive lineman, yeah. for sure. By the time we got to practice, you know, it, it was already sixty percent done, and mm-hmm. we get to watch like the inside, you know, take the mental reps type of thing. But that first hour of practice or so, we just conditioned, right. and it was terrible. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. I, I watched it myself. Anybody that had the the uh, upper body injuries, they had they had to run stadium. Oh yeah, they had to ride the bike or. Whatever I was lucky uh, because I had to be involved in a lot of the drills. Right. So it's, oh yeah. Smitty be like, "Hey, Jay White, go get on the stairmaster." I'm like, "Ah, they told me not to." Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's power of the quarterback, man. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, how do you think it's going so far? You know, I think that the Venables, you know, the, the Lincoln Riley leaving, Venables stepping in. I think there was this craziness about the fan base, and everybody's just super excited, and it just seemed like it hadn't slowed down until really spring ball started. And now, you know, with the chance to watch the dust kind of settle, you evaluate the recruiting class and the job that they did uh, there. And the fact that, you know, it's – it's I love the staff. You know, they wear their faith on their sleeves. Like, this is a football – like, I'm a football guy. I love it in my heart. It's like, I love the game. And so when I look at the staff and who they are as people, man, I, I don't know how you can't be excited about Oklahoma football moving forward. I think you hit it on the head. Coach Venables has came in and immediately brought toughness back to that team, and I think that's something that we were lacking. Um, I haven't seen toughness down there in a long time, and it's nothing against the players or the coaches. or It's just that, you know, when someone lines up across from you, like you want to compete, you, you're you going to beat that guy, and that's the, that's the attitude that, that they need. And I think Coach Venables and the staff that he brought back with him, that's what they're about. And I think it just shows a, uh, shows a lot about just the first offseason that Coach Venables has had. Of you know, a lot of these guys are coming in saying these are just way harder, you right? Know? And they're they're competing on a daily basis. So that's how you get that out in the players is you you're competing against each other all the time. So I'm super excited. Uh, I'm ex- one excited because I know Coach Venables is going to really focus on that defense. Um, I really think offensively, you know. You can take care of that. I right. Think, I think they can take care of that, no problem. But defense is where you you have a lot of questions. And so with Venables coming back and knowing the style he is and the, the toughness kind of guy he is, that's going to go over to the players. You know, uh, you, the guys that uh, I'm thinking about, the Venables coach, uh, the Rocky Kalmuses, the right. Torrance Marshalls, the Rufus Alexanders, Rufus, yeah. Teddies. I mean, Dusty, all those guys were taught by Coach Venables. And so that toughness is going to come right over just because that's what he demands. And so I'm, ex- I'm super excited to see that. I, you know, obviously you're probably not going to get to see a whole lot spring right. game. But I think you'll be able to see the intensity, uh, which is I know just from what I've heard coming out down there is the intensity level has changed a lot. You know, practice is more intense than it's ever been. That's, that's nothing but a positive for mm-hmm. sure, uh, especially in a spring where you bring in a new coach – you know, there's a lot of that uh, the previous regime didn't like me, and now I get my chance. And so, yeah, you would assume that just naturally that the energy level is going to be higher there, uh, Norman. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I, I've got a chance to watch him speak a couple of times now, and you want to talk about a just somebody who every word out of his mouth you just want to hang on, right? Like he is – he's up there preaching to the press. 
uh, every time he takes the podium. And he's done such a great job allowing us in, giving us access that we haven't had in years. And you know, I think what he's also doing is giving himself a chance to paint a good, accurate picture of what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma fans, it's a blue blood. Like, they don't want to be lied to or, or presented something that's not that's false, not true. Right. We're close. We're close. We're close. Yeah. Oklahoma fans, like Alabama fans and Ohio State fans, they want to hear that the team's going to compete for a championship, but they want to believe what's coming out of their coach's mouth. And I think when you give access to the local media and allow guys like John Hoover and myself to see what we're seeing and paint an accurate picture and get of our own accord, you know, like that's that helps. That helps right. people show up to the stadium in the fall and not be like we're winning a national championship and then watch the first game and think, wow, Tulane almost beat our ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it avoids a lot of that. I think yeah. it's huge on his part for doing that. No, I think it's uh, step one. I mean, that that's what he needed to do is come in and set the expectations. You know, one of the things that uh, I know it's a small detail, but it's huge to me is uh, him, you know, Requiring these guys to wear suits, right? You know, it's business. It's business. It's a business trip. It's uh, that's how, how it should be approached. You're on a business trip. It's not about who's got the the, the coolest shoes on or, or the a throwback. Yeah, right. uh, you know, it's that's not what it's about. It's about you, you and your team. And if everyone's dressed alike and everyone has the same, that is a team unity. And I just bringing that back right there because it was that way when I was in school. You had to wear. A uh, collared shirt. Now, necessarily, right. it didn't have to be a suit, but it needed to be a collared shirt and, you know, dress nice. Absolutely, so. yeah. And same thing with me. You know, it's a, it was – I took a lot of pride in packing that suit and putting it on on game day, and we had to walk from the student uh, hotel down to the, to the stadium and walking in our suits down the street. And, you know, it was about business and look good, feel good, and, right. you know, all those things. And, you know, I, I get uh, – there's, there's certain aspects to, to Lincoln Riley's methods in regards to the way that he allowed pop culture to kind of seep into uh, Oklahoma's football program that I think are very relevant today. Yeah. I think that a lot of kids, you know, we kind of talked during the show about California kids and how they're built a little bit different and the things that can get away with them here in Oklahoma versus what you have to deal with out there, you know. And, and so I think that Lincoln Riley's method is very current and probably the easiest way to success today. Right. Put less discipline, uh, more pop culture, more be yourself, more, you know, I mean, fly by the seat of your pants type of thing. The Venables is doing it the hard way. I appreciate that. All right. Jay White appreciates that. Absolutely. My fingers are crossed that I hope that there are families of young men across the country that also appreciate that. I think the kids on campus appreciate it right now. I think Mm -hmm. my biggest concern would be, you know, when Jimbo Fisher's down there. You know, he's got the old money gun, and he's just shooting money bills at these dudes and telling them you can come in and do whatever you want to do, basically. You know, how does how does Venables and his – you need to be the he, – he needs to know you as the man first. You know, like you need to pass this test before we even talk about football. How does that compete against the Jimbo Fishers of the world? Wins and losses. I mean, that's how it competes. Um, you know, like we like I told you earlier, I mean, I guarantee you that coaches nowadays – uh, a three-star, I, I think that's what you were. Three yeah, three-star, yeah. A mm-hmm. three-star Sam yep. Mays, any coach out there right now would pick you over any five-star just because of your work ethic right. and that you want to. And Coach Venables is the same way. You think about some of the studs he's coached, they're all, they're all two, three-star guys. And it's because he gets to know these kids, like a Teddy Lehman, no one would have ever known Teddy was a, a speedster and right. you know was good at other sports, but they recruited him, like truly recruited him. And so, you know, I think even even at that. So let's just say that we don't get, 
you know, five, six, five-star guys, you know. But we get, you know, ten really good three-star guys, and seven of them work out great. Right. I mean, that's that's what you're going after. You, Absolutely. And <clears throat> that's part of the recruiting that I don't like nowadays is they're not going to these kids' homes and talking to the brothers and the sisters and the, the mom and the dad and, you know, heck, I can Coach Gundy talk to my friends. Right. Like, I was worried. Right. Like, what, <laughs> what are my friends telling them? Right. You know, so, but they talked to my friends. They talked to my uh, my teachers that had nothing to do with sports, you know, to find out what kind of guy I was. In fact, Coach Gundy game, he came to more of my basketball games than he did my football games. That's awesome. And so, that recruiting right there is how you get to know what you're getting. Right. You know, we can, we can go by the stars all day. But until you get to know that kid, he might just be God-given talent right. and never had to work for anything. You know, but when you get into college, everybody's on the same field. You know, so you have to learn to work. Uh, so, you know, I think the wins and losses take care of that. And like I said, you can get all the flash that you want, but if you're not producing championships, um, then it's not going to last that long. Let's uh, let's switch gears and look. Take a look at the offense as Dylan Gabriel comes in year number one as a experienced quarterback. You know, was a starter. Everything that I've seen out of him looks like the kid can spin it. Looks like he's accurate. I think the thing that I've noticed the most about his uh, throwing motion, and you can correct me, obviously, because you know way more than I do. But he's like Steph Curry in the way that every ball looks the same. The motion does. You know what I mean? And I I can have Caleb Williams. Not consistent in his throwing motion. No. Like, it's this kid, when that arm goes up and he releases that ball, whether it's a five-yard pass or a 50-yard pass, it's all the same. And so, in my brain, that type of consistency fosters accuracy, right, and allows him a certain level of power, right, across the board. So, he looks – I'm intrigued by him. I, there's no question I am. But what is it like – I mean, I would say that the starting quarterback of Oklahoma is one of the top five overall positions in all of college football. What kind of pressure does he feel coming into a spring game like this? Not only that, but considering the last three transfers, those boys were good. Yeah. Real know, good. <clears throat> there's probably a lot of pressure on him uh, just to step into a, a, a blue blood like Oklahoma and, you know, want to show what he's about. But at the end of the day, if he's any, any, any sort of the player that I think that he is, he reminds me of Josh Heupel so much. Because he's a, he's a coach on the field. He throws the ball. I mean, he don't have the, the strongest arm out there, I'm sure, but he throws. He gets it there. Uh, he's accurate. I mean, these are all things that Josh Heupel was great at. And so if you can get a leader like that on the field, you don't have to be an NFL superstar to be a great leader. Right. And so that's what it's missing. It's missing that, that leadership on the offensive side of the ball, the guy that, you know, stands in the huddle and – you know, gets these guys, you know, ready to go on a on a third and two. You know, a guy that can actually hey, back up what he's talking about. So um, I'm excited to see, and, and necessarily not, I know spring, it's a little bit different. It's more relaxed, and it's not quite the same. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he does in front of, you know, a crowd. Right. Uh, but the main tail is going to come in the fall whenever it's game one and, it's a whole different animal, you know, walking in that stadium when it's game one than a spring game. You know, obviously you and I don't have any sort of idea what it's like coming from a lesser league to a power five league. But I, I, I'm curious, you know, what that looks like to him in that quarterback spot from a secondary speed, 
you know, category to, you know, obviously he's going to have a relationship with his own receivers and he's going to practice against other guys, but there's no practice that mimics game speed. We all no. know that. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the young man handles everything that goes in being a quarterback at Oklahoma and the fact that every single team that you play, everybody is going to be lit up and ready to go and they want a piece. Oh, yeah. it, there is no off week. There is no non-conference. Oh, we've got this. Like, Kent State is going to show up thinking we're going to have the greatest win in program history, right? right? That's what they're looking to do. And so yeah. I just think that there's – coming from somebody who played at Oklahoma State, you know, when Montana State rolled in, I knew those boys didn't want to be here. Yeah. I knew they weren't going to play super hard, and I knew that their backup was going to be in by the middle of the third quarter and I'd be on the bench. Nope. Oh, you've never experienced that as a college football player. No, and I will tell you that some of the, the toughest games I played in were games that we that the other team shouldn't have been even – talked about um, I'm you know Baylor used to not really be that great of right. a team but I absolutely hated playing Baylor because they blitzed they blitzed everybody every down because they did they had nothing to lose right and so you know you get those uh you know, the Kent States that come into town and you're gonna get their best shot at least for a quarter now if you do your job and you put your you put your foot down on the gas and you don't let up then after the second quarter or after halftime, it's done. Right. They're, they're done. Right. But if you give them that little bit of hope and let them hang around, that team is going to give you some fits the rest of the game. And so you've got to put your foot down from the get-go. And that's why you can always see the great teams. You, you look back at the great teams, and they, ne- they ne- never really struggle with a lesser opponent. They don't right. play to their opponent's abilities. They play their football no matter who they're playing, and they just move forward. Now, you, you look at the teams that are supposed to be great, and they just kind of hang around. You know, they might beat them by f- seven points when they should have won by 40. Right. You know, that, that's not a great team to me. A great team is a, a team that comes in and plays their game every weekend. I think that my biggest concern will be in that moment for Dylan Gabriel in particular is I'm sure he's lost games that – Florida, right? I'm sure he lost games at that school. And and when the tides turned and they started losing those games, I'm sure he felt a little something inside of him in that moment. Like, man, we got to try to win this game. Let's get it back, that type of thing. I don't know that I have ever experienced on a football field what OU players and Alabama players and Ohio State players face in those moments when it's late in the third quarter and the score is 21 uh, 21, and then that team scores a touchdown, and now it's 28-21. I'm curious to know how Dylan Gabriel deals with 28-21 somebody else because that, that's when Baker Mayfield was great. Mm-hmm. That's when Kyler Murray was great. Jalen Hurts wasn't worried about those moments. Right. But we've seen you know quarterback, that's a different deal. Now, in your head, are you ready for what that feels like? Because the 86,000 people in Memorial Stadium, they're, they're not having it. Right. So you better have your mind – like, that's, that's the part that I'm worried about for Dylan Gabriel is you didn't sign up at first for this, but now it's yours. Right. And what it is is a massive thing, right? That's a oh, yeah. massive amount of pressure on a kid. It is. And like I said, if, if he's anything the player that I think he is, I think he'll do fine with it. He, uh, you know, anytime you get a good, solid coach on the field, a Josh Heupel, um, you know, those guys just – they get it done. You know, they – they, f- they figure out a way to get their guys motivated to get that seven points, to tie the game. You know, they get it done, and they're, they're always cool and calm. Now, right. there's only one time I ever seen Josh Heupel actually, like, 
flustered. And that was Nebraska in, um, in 2000 when they were number one and we were number, I don't remember what, 14 or something. And we ended up beating them at home. Yep. <clears throat> they got up on us 14 to nothing and never seen Josh Heupel flustered until that moment. And then Coach Leach talked to him on the phone and gave him some words of advice. And then that was it. Like, he went back down to even kill Josh and uh, just killed it the rest of the game. So, uh, I think he'll do fine. Uh, I'm interested to see how he does handle it, which <clears throat> knowing the player that I think I know, I think he'll do fine with it. This uh, this weekend, April 23rd, is the big Oklahoma spring game. They're expecting a record crowd. Uh, hopefully that goes down as obviously Oklahoma looking to not only gain ground in the recruiting game today as they get ready for the remainder of their Big 12 schedule this year, probably the next year and the year after, but and making that transition into SEC country where it just means more, uh, I think they're trying to put on a display that is worthy of that moment. So uh, I'm curious. I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think it's going to be a one hell of a showing. Uh, I had a. I didn't think about your opinion though, as far as why people are going to show up is interesting. You think it's because of? I think that uh, people are going to show up in packs to support Coach Venables and also support. You know, the players that uh, – the things that Coach Riley did to these guys. <clears throat> the end of the day, I know he has a family to take care of. He has his own decisions to make. But I think there's ways to go about it. Right. And do I think it was a good move for him? Probably so. Right. Uh, maybe good move for his family as well. And <clears throat> commend him on that. But I also think there's a way to go about it. And I think the, guy, the, the fans are going to come support these players that stuck through it. You know, all these kids that could have transferred and, and didn't. So I feel like the, they're going to show up in packs just to su- support that. Right. And, you know, and support the fact that, hey, you know what, Lincoln, this is what you're missing. Right. You know, for not being here. Yeah, the uh, the SC Trojans have their spring game on the exact same day as the Oklahoma Sooners. If I had to guess, this is going to look more like sixty-five to 75,000 uh, for Oklahoma and probably less than twenty. Uh, for USC, so I think that'll make Sooner fans' hearts uh, pretty happy. Because a lot of those folks are pretty upset still. Yeah. You know, they feel betrayed, and I completely uh, understand that. But I agree with everything you said about Riley, the person, the individual, the man making the decision for his family. If his mindset wasn't set on taking a historic program into another conference and fighting that battle, then, yeah, why would yeah. you not go extend your career by another six years in a college game, get paid a boatload of money to – take USC's last shot. That's the other thing. They've got no power. Right. Riley can go out there and lose every game next year and win two the next, and they wouldn't even think about firing that dude. This is their last chance right. to get relevant again. So it yeah. was too good of an opportunity for yeah. him. I get that for sure. I get yep. that for sure. Well, with this game, we get the Baker Mayfield statue dedication. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know how this is going to go and, and what how Oklahoma's going to go about it. You can just imagine that crowd is going to want to see Baker, they want to see the statue. I wonder if they're going to bring the statue into the stadium or will they do it outside the stadium? But I figured there was no better person to ask about what this is like than you uh, because I get to walk past your statue and give her the double birds every year, the first game of football season. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of a nostalgic thing for me. Yeah. And uh, But what's it like, man, being – I mean, you're a young man and you have a statue outside of one of the greatest college football coliseums that you're going to find in the world. You know, I was telling you the story earlier about uh, an old farmer that uh, used to drink coffee in the mornings uh, by a local gas station by my house. And I, I went in every morning. He always talked about the weather and this and that. And 
one day, uh, you know, he, he, he says to me, you know you've made it whenever you have a statue and you're still living. And I never really thought about that until that moment. Right. And I was like, wow. I was thinking about all the people that had statues and they were not living. Right. And so I was like, man, that's pretty special. But, man, it's a special moment, um, <clears throat> you know, to think that for the rest of, you know, my life on earth and then thereafter that people are going to walk by and that statue is going to be there. Right. You know, my kids, kids are going to walk by and be like, hey, that's my grandpa or right. whatever. So, um you know, I, I think that that's it's an amazing accomplishment, but <clears throat> I also think that uh, just to be a part and to <clears throat> do my part for the Sooner family, as in, you know, I gave it my all, uh, and obviously I was rewarded from it. I had played on some great teams. You know, they were a huge, you know, the most part of that. But uh, just to do my part and live up to that expectation of what it is to be a Sooner um, you know, that's more important than anything, uh, to me. And so to have a statue from it, Hey, that is awesome. I love it. Um, I'd lie if I said I didn't, <clears throat> but, uh, it's important to me that, you know, you walk through those halls. I can remember walking through those halls as a recruit and looking up there and seeing the Billy Sims and the Steve Owens right. and the Brian Bosworth and, you know, the Joe Washington's and you're like, <clears throat> wow, these guys walk these halls, right? you know? And so, um, now my picture's up there as well. So, you know, it's kind of surreal for me to, even to, to this day, to walk down there and see that that stuff. It's like, wow, that's, I definitely contributed to the Sooner history. Right. That's something great. That's incredible. What uh, what was the day like? Do you remember the actual day of, yeah. family-wise, the whole nine yards? Well, we did a big uh, little dinner for my family and everybody Friday night before the, they did the statue. Um, and of course my family's pretty wild. So we, we tied one off, you know, uh, like my, my dad said, there's not too many times that your son gets a statue. Right. Uh, so, you know, we tied one off that night. So the next morning, everyone's struggling, first of all, to get there. The entire family's hung over. Oh yeah. Mom, dad, everybody. Uh, so, you know, we did it upright. We did it, you know, the Tuttle style. That's awesome. But, uh. I can remember being so nervous because I did not want to cry. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that was because uh, I didn't want, you know, because I was always the tough guy. I was stoic. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so Coach Stoops always says, to, you know, they'll ask him, hey, who is the toughest player you've coached? And he, he always says me. I take pride in that. That's, that's big to me. And so <clears throat> to get up there and I'm thinking to myself, hey, just don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. But. I will tell you, whenever they asked me to come up there to unveil and unveil the statue, from uh, literally it was 20 feet walk, but from that my seat up there, my whole career just flashed right. in my mind. I mean, uh, starting back from coming from Tuttle, people talking about how I was from a small school, I'd never make it, to the injuries, to I'll never play again because he's can't stay healthy. I mean, just that whole, everything flashed like as I walked that 20 feet and immediately just start tearing up. And because people don't understand, and you do, Sam, because you've been there, but people don't understand the things you give up for, for that. Oh, yeah. You know, the, you know, all my friends getting to go do fun stuff while I'm 
you know, rehabbing or, or whatever. You know, people don't understand the, the time and the effort that you put into something like that. Yeah, the and commitment. So, yeah. and so You and your family. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I walked up there, I was just like, all that hit me and I immediately started crying. And I'm like, well, that's too late now. <laughs> so, but, you know, to stand up there and to see the statue in real life, to know that it's going to be there forever, to see my family, um, you the know, out in the, yeah, out yeah. in the crowd. Um, if you, I think if you would ever ask my mom and dad if, you know, uh, they would ever seen a statue of me, they would have laughed, you know. Uh, so just to see that, I, I think it was unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, I couldn't be more proud to, you know, I feel like that that is just like the Heisman Trophy. That is a reflection of that team. Mm -hmm. And the same with that statue. It is a reflection of all those teams I played on. Like every team I played on played a part in that. Even even that 2000 National Championship team, when I didn't play but one down that year, it still played a huge part in that because I ran the scout team that year. And we took pride in the scout team. We like we wanted, we wanted Rocky Kalmus and Torrance Marshall to get yelled at. Right. You know that was our goal, and so every team that I was a part of played a part of that statue, and so you know I just feel like it's a direct reflection on those teams. That's like, awesome. Hey, you know the guy I played with has a statue. You know that's 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 cool to me. Yeah, one of the coolest things about you for me is, and this is being an offensive lineman, like, you know, the, the relationship between a quarterback and an offensive lineman is always going to be what it is. No matter who played where, when you played, uh, I will always have respect for true quarterbacks, and that's exactly what you are. Even in this moment, yeah. you sound like a quarterback, man. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, uh, <clears throat> it's true, though. Uh, just like, uh, you know, you know because uh, of Wes, but man, even my linemen, that I, I took them out to dinner every Thursday night, and you know, we had a deal to where if they gave up a sack, they had to buy, or if they didn't give up a sack, I had to buy. And so I always bought regardless. Right. Just because of the effort and the, and stuff. But um, just that time I got to spend with those guys for that hour or two at dinner, like that, you can't replace that. 100%. I mean, you, you can't coach that. You can't, you know, any, any of that. So, um, you know, to have that relationship, I mean, it's uh, – it's one I'll never forget. Very cool, man. I appreciate your time so much today. I, what a great conversation. You no killed problem. it. This no is the best problem. you've ever been. Thank you. You get better every time you come on. Hey, maybe you should just have me on once a week. I think we should. The Heisman segment. Yeah, we'll call it something fancy. Yeah. Get Brittany to come up with some graphics to make you actually look more physically appealing than you actually are. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what time are you getting out there on Saturday? Uh, you going I, early? Yeah, tailgating to, a little bit. Yeah, I'll have to go a little bit early. Uh, I know I'm going to go to the dinner Friday night for Baker. Uh, you know, another just to be a support, you know, for Baker because it's a big deal. Right. And uh, I know Baker's going to cherish it for the rest of his life. Especially, very similar story came from always being doubted to now having a statue. That's huge. Right. And the walk so, on that won the Heisman, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like that's who that kid is. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of what's going on in the NFL with him or whatever. However, he finished his career in the NFL. He will always have that statue. Hundred percent. He will always be the walk-on that has a statue, won a Heisman. I, I guarantee you, there will be a Disney movie. Hundred percent. About like Rudy, who? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Very so, cool. Very uh, cool. I'm super excited to see it this weekend. I'm excited to see you know the support from the fans. 
um, for Coach Venables just to, to bring bring that back and, and get some different foot style football here. Jason White, thank you, my friend. Hey. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Have a good one.